Hello and welcome to Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories. This is the podcast where I sit down with a special guest to share their inspiring story, journeys and thoughts along the way. So sit back and enjoy. Today's podcast is all about IBD World Awareness Day, which is the 19th of May 2023. IBD stands for Inflammatory Bowel Disease and it consists of mainly two conditions, one being Crohn's disease and the other ulcerated colitis. They are both chronic conditions that affect the inflammation of the bowel. 250,000 people in the UK thereabouts have been diagnosed with IBD and from an outsider's point of view it may not be obvious as to who may be suffering with this disease. But to those that have it, it does hugely affect their day-to-day life. And we'll be talking to our guest more about this today, talking about their journey, when they were diagnosed, how they manage things. It's actually my niece Sophie who's going to be on the show with her mum Michelle, who is my sister-in-law. And we recorded this together back in August 2022 on Zoom. Sophie and Michelle live in the Wirral and myself live down south. And actually Sophie's starting university in September. She's going to be training to be a police officer, which is very exciting. And once she starts her journey, I'm sure it's going to be hard to pin her down. She's going to be really making the most of that adventure. It's also all of our first podcast so it's my first time hosting and it's Sophie and Michelle's first time being guests on a podcast so wish us luck it's Sophie who's the one with Crohn's disease she's going to be discussing her illness and how she manages it along with her mum Michelle who will be huge support I'm sure as she has been through her whole life And what I will say is if there's anything that's too sensitive or something that we don't want to delve into, if it's too personal, then we can pass on those questions. We just want to try and talk honestly and openly, but also feel comfortable at the same time. And hopefully this podcast will help spread awareness of IBD to those people that may not know much about it. And here's the show. Welcome Sophie and Michelle. Michelle you're here because we've obviously supported Sophie along this journey through her whole life. Yeah correct. (laughs) So thank you for joining us Michelle and Sophie. Thank you for having us. That's okay and hopefully we'll spread the awareness of IBD a little bit more today. So Sophie tell us about how your health problems did start. Was there anything unusual as a child and what did you sort of notice growing up? I noticed when I was going abroad like to Florida or Spain I would get quite cold mm-hmm. uh, considering the temperatures out there I would be quite cold my hands would be ice blocked I would be really tired yeah and I would sleep throughout the day with like a massive big thick duvet wow especially when I finished school 
I would be sleeping till like about 10, didn't I? Yeah, so basically <clears throat> she was sleeping quite a lot, cold all the time. Mm. She, the biggest noticeable thing was one day when she finished school and uh, she came home, it was really, really hot outside. She'd come in and she had she was asleep on the sofa and she had a big onesie on with a big duvet over her. It was stifling. It was absolutely stifling outside. Yeah. And she was shivering. And that's when, you know, we had all the signals then pointing towards Sophie that there was something happening. There was something really wrong going yeah. on. Untoward, really unusual for the yeah. summer to be that wrapped up, like you say. So what was the process? Did you have to go to hospital then to have various tests to find out what was wrong? Well, because obviously I was concerned, I made an appointment at the doctor's and the doctor said, oh, it could be this, it could be that. So what I will do is I will book you an appointment at the hospital Mm -hmm. for a paediatrician to have a look at Sophie and possibly do some tests which was probably the best thing they could have done because that's when they picked up that there was something happening in Sophie's bowel. Again, they didn't really want to say too much what the disease could possibly be until we had all the appropriate tests and everything. So they did camera tests with Sophie. They did um, an MRI scan with Mm. Sophie. And at the time, we actually stayed in hospital for a few days. Mm -hmm. So they could obviously get all the the relevant tests done. Obviously, when all the tests come back, they knew then that it was IBD, irritable bowel disease, Crohn's. Mm. So basically, because it was quite inflamed, she then had to go on a diet of modulin. Now, modulin is like a milkshake. Mm. It's like a white liquid. And with that, she wasn't allowed to eat any form of food whatsoever. Wow. So she got that three months. Yeah. And as a child of 10, because that's how old she was when she was diagnosed with it, yeah. it was very difficult at the time. Really tough. Yeah, so she... Uh, obviously ploughed through it she did really really well and after the three months her inflammation had gone down quite significantly which is really good so then she went on different medications and bits and pieces like that to sort of keep it at bay yeah obviously with irritable bowel disease it never stays the same you're always going to have flare-ups from time to time and bits and pieces like that yeah constant journey But thank goodness, Sophie, what an amazing mum that you've got to kind of persevere and take you to hospital and to find out really what was going on. Because a lot of mums, I know that I do sometimes, if the children are saying, oh, I'm tired, I've got a cold, I've got a tummy ache, and you sort of brush it off a lot of the time. So, Sophie, what an amazing mum you have. Yeah, I appreciate what she's done for me in my life. And to get that diagnosis, did you say at 10 years old? Well, yeah, she was just before 10. Yeah, so, yeah, 10, I would say, that she actually got diagnosed with that. It's brilliant to find out so young, really, isn't it? Because then you can do a bit more to help manage it. Well, you can, because you hear so many stories that people don't find out until they're 40. And that's when, you know, obviously you can get so 
many more complications with that, finding out so late. More damage has been done, I suppose, by that. Well, of course, this is it. No, definitely. So was it a long process? I know that she got diagnosed at 10, but when did you start that sort of process of trying to get a diagnosis? How long did that go on for? Very, very quick. We went to the doctors, say, one week. Within a week, she had uh, an appointment at the hospital. So obviously a paediatrician looked at her and bits and pieces like that. And then quite soon after that, she was uh, told that she had to go into hospital for them to do some proper tests on her. And we stayed in for a few days. So I'd say probably, I mean, she was very, very fortunate, really. Within a couple of weeks, she was seen straight away. You know, yeah, I mean, you hear so many stories that people have had to wait months and months and months. Mm. That wasn't the case with Sophie. And, you know, obviously she was very lucky because with the NHS being under the amount of pressure that they're under, instantly she was very lucky to get an appointment when she did. We're so lucky with our NHS system, absolutely so fortunate, really, really lucky. So Sophie, tell us about this liquid diet that your mum mentioned. How did that work for you? What did it entail on a day-to-day sort of process for you? So with this liquid diet, it was the only kind of sort of food my body would be taking, like, so the nutrients. Mm. Like, if I was just having normal food, my body wouldn't be taking that normally. Right. It just, like, wouldn't pick up nutrients that I would yeah. need. Also with, also with my condition, like... I wasn't like putting on a lot of weight. So mm. with this liquid diet, it was like a form of like like food like to like put nutrients into me, like um put more weight on me that I needed to stay healthy. So I think I would have a glass or two in the morning. It'd be like three or four times we'd have throughout the day. Yeah. I think it was something like three litres a day, wasn't it? Yeah, like I think so, yeah. Right. Sort of like breakfast, lunch, dinner type yeah Yeah. and how did it make you feel did it make you feel so much better in yourself because you were suddenly getting all these calories and nutrients and your body was benefiting from all this like good food now so how did you feel like I had a bit more energy in me and I could get out a bit more like I wasn't at home sleeping Mm. I think my sleeping pattern was changed dramatically yeah wasn't it yeah so I wasn't tired really in the evenings much than I used to be but yeah and I suppose when you're 10 11 12 you probably weren't going out as much with your friends independently but you might have gone to the park or the cinema and maybe if you were too tired you couldn't have done those things as much is that right yeah that's right because as my dad my mum said before I'd be coming home from school really tired sleeping really early like from five o'clock it was really early wasn't yeah, it yeah it was like five yeah. o'clock that's why it was like you know warning bells were going off I thought it's just not right it really isn't no so did that affect like friendships and things because probably a lot of your friends might have done like a little play date after school you might go around to watch a movie of your friends in the evening or go around for pizza did that affect like friendships at school did people understand what you were going through they did. I mean, they were young themselves, so they didn't really understand, understand fully what's going yeah. on. But obviously, I had their support as well. Mm. It obviously, it was hard when I was at school as well because there would be days where we'd have like pizza and bits like that, and I couldn't join in because obviously I was on a strict yeah. diet. 
So obviously it was hard for me watching everyone else enjoying themselves and just, you know, eating whatever they felt like eating. There was like, um, there would be days in school where like everyone bought food in and to watch the cinema, mm. like the film and all that. And obviously I only could take part in certain bits, really. Well, she had a friend, a lovely little girl that sort of lived around the corner from us and um, she always wanted to yeah. come round to play, didn't she? But yeah. Because of how Sophie was feeling at the time, she was always tired and bits. Yeah. I think she took a friend away because obviously she didn't have the time nor the patience to have a friend at that time. You know, obviously, as another child, you sort of leave that friendship, then go and find another friendship. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a shame, really, because she was a lovely little girl. But at the time, because obviously, before we actually knew what was happening with Sophie, we just thought, you know, maybe she was being a little bit moody. Yeah. She didn't want to play with this little girl and bits and pieces like that. But obviously, now knowing what we know, it was because of a uh, illness. Which must have been really tough for everyone. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is it, you know, yeah. feeling quite uh, ill all the time, isn't yeah. fun, is it? Yeah, probably a bit isolated as well because, mm. yeah, your friends are doing certain things that you can't join in and, mm. yeah, and the other friends don't understand as much. Because like you say, everyone was young, weren't they? So they don't really get they what they're doing. So what about causes? Do we know much about the causes of Crohn's disease? Is it genetic? Is there external factors mm. that can make a difference when, with how you get Crohn's disease? It can be genetic. Hmm. You can actually just be born with it. It can just be the fact that one day you just sort of find out, like Sophie did, oh, I've got Crohn's, IBD. No one quite knows really, you know, what happens there because I spoke to a doctor not so long ago and they said sometimes it can just be waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. And then something in, you know, the life in, in your life can sort of trigger it off. It could yeah. be food, it could be medication, it could be a see, you know, so many different things. And then all of a sudden, it's all gone off together, and that's sort of what sort of created the illness. It's almost like Sophie's probably predisposed to having exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then she had something that she ate, or she might have had some antibiotics, like a lot of children have. And yeah, then anything could have triggered it off, triggered to it be off. honest. It, it doesn't run in the family. I don't I don't think I know anyone else in our family that has got Crohn's disease. No, nor mine. No. No. Yeah, it's interesting. So going back to when you first got diagnosed, Sophie, you're only a 10 years old. So I'm just wondering about the different levels of Crohn's disease and whether there's whether it's kind of sectioned off into mild, medium. And when it gets severe, does it mean because you caught it sort of or knew about it quite younger, got diagnosed quite younger, that you can manage it more easily than others? Or does it depend? What sort of level have you got Crohn's disease? I don't think it's a mild, it's more yeah. severe. Severe really. Right, okay. Like none of the medication I'm on has sort of worked so far. So yeah. So it doesn't because really make sense. A lot of difference. The fact that you were diagnosed younger that doesn't predetermine how severe IBD is. I suppose people that actually get diagnosed later on might have coped with it better. Maybe they've got more of the mild 
kind of the inflamed bell that's because they've caught it a bit older and they've kind of managed it better so yeah medication wise then what can help what ones have you tried and what are the side effects and how do they work I've tried so many so Mm. one being Stilera another one being you've had a range of medicines I mean basically she's gone through every medicine Mm. so basically the wait enough new medication to come out and then she's going to try those ones but uh yeah I mean she's been quite unfortunate really with the medicines because nothing has really helped her at the minute right. it helps for a while and then it's our body sort of rejects it then it just yeah. doesn't cope you know she's had lots of symptoms of diff- you know various medicines and stuff but uh at the minute yeah she's on medicine uh, an injection at the minute as soon as new medicine comes available she will be sort of leaving that medicine behind and starting a new medicine and I suppose there's no cure for it, for it at the moment is there there's, they're constantly doing research and development to try and find yeah. new medicines but there's no actual no. cure for, for cranes not as yet no yeah and I remember you did have a few sort of side effects from the medication or from the disease itself you had psoriasis didn't you for a period of time Sophie yeah that was like one of the side effects of one of the injections I had in 2019 yeah it was a really really bad medicine mark basically she got everything that could have gone wrong with that medicine and she had hair loss psoriasis um, feeling sick, but, oh, just everything. Oh, wasn't it was my bones, and muscles. Bones. She was getting um, really bad muscle pains and everything. Yeah, so she obviously had to come off that medicine to the yeah. point where I was struggling to walk. It was mm-hmm. like every time I was walking, I was in so much pain. Tell us about the flare-ups. Would you call those side effects flare-ups or? Tell us more about flare-ups, because sometimes when you and your mum talk about them with your IBD, mm. I'm not really sure what that means. So tell us more about what a flare-up is and how friends and family can help to support you. So do you mean like the symptoms I would get from it? Yeah. My symptoms would possibly be like bloating, probably going to the toilet regularly, blood in the stool, having like really bad ulcers in my mouth. Like, my gums would be, like, really sore and would bleed. Oh, um, And also, like, cramping and pain in my stomach, really. So when you say ulcers in your mouth, I've sometimes got that when I've been run down. Is that yeah. sort of like a... Do you get more flare-ups if you've been run down or a bit more stressed? I suppose I'm thinking, going back to the COVID-19 pandemic, when we all felt a bit stressed during that time, didn't we? It was a traumatic time for everyone. Did you find that you've got more flare-ups during COVID-19? And obviously you were classed as vulnerable and you had to isolate and you were doing your GCSEs at the same time, weren't you? So tell us about how that period of time was for you. When I was doing the mocks, I was stressed because obviously I was having side effects with one of my injections. Right. So it wasn't really the right time because I was having like pain in my legs, the muscles, my bones and all that. So that's when I was getting my side effects that year when I was doing my mocks. And then it was like the next year where COVID 
did exist, I would be like isolated from everyone because they didn't know how bad it would be for someone that had Crohn's. Mm-hmm. Like they would say that if I was the one that caught it, so far, you know, touch wood, I haven't had it. But if I would ever had it, like if I did get it, I would be put in hospital apparently because of the medication I was on, it would weaken my immune system. Yeah. So I would get it severe than anyone else. But You had to be really careful, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, with COVID, a lot of people had a bit more time, didn't they, to think, oh, I can cook some recipes, I can do some gardening. Did you think about, oh, I've got some time to create some new dietary um, dinners and try out some new health foods? Have you got any gut um, healing tips for any recipes that you might have tried during COVID? Really? No, I just, I was put on a diet, so I just yeah. kind of stuck to that diet from the hospital. So that's a very basic diet. Yeah. Of potatoes, chicken, certain vegetables. Certain fruits. Certain fruits. So yeah. not everything she could have. And a wholemeal bread. Right. So it was very, very basic. And she's still sort of on that now, you know when she is having certain flare-ups and stuff, you know. That's the sort of the diet that she'll go back to, really. So you can't be very experimental with foods at all. It's very sort of bland and keep making sure that that nothing's going to be too sensitive to your stomach, really. Yeah, really, yeah. But she was allowed to have two days off as well with that diet. Okay. So that could be if she wanted to go and have something from a restaurant or she you know wanted to spend some time with some friends maybe had a, a pizza some pieces like that because they said because obviously her age and everything to put her on a strict diet for seven days a week for so many months was going to be unfair so she had to be on like a strict diet for five days mm-hmm. and then like mm-hmm. she could two days where she could actually come off it and have normal food because obviously that's going to affect um, a teenager's mental health just well, of course. does their physical health so you've got to think yeah. about all those things as well haven't you yeah um, at the moment we're actually experimenting uh gluten-free so she's right. actually doing a gluten-free diet mm-hmm. at the minute okay so yeah just trying different things really you know that's because it. she seemed to think that when she was having certain foods that's when she was bloating more right you know, it just seemed to be, you know, wheat and bits and pieces like that. So that's what we're doing at the minute. We're just trying gluten-free. No, absolutely. That's a really good idea. And nowadays, there's so much around, isn't there, in the supermarkets that you can try. Um, whereas a few years ago, you didn't get so much of the gluten-free no, no. produce around, did you? So that's really no. good that they've got that now, nowadays. So Sophie and Michelle, going back to the diet that we were talking about and how, well, obviously Crohn's disease affects the physical health and you do have to do as much as you can to manage that. But obviously if you're on these liquid diets, if you're on a really strict diet, that's going to affect the emotional and mental health side of things as well. And that's why you were given that two day a week break, which was really good, I think. And then, I mean, positive having a positive mindset must really help and I know that term's thrown around quite a lot I was actually listening to Karen Haley who's an IBD health coach in America and she was talking about 
separating your sort of physical symptoms from your emotional health and how that kind of helps you to get through the day to day. And I do notice, Sophie, that when we have a conversation on the phone, I say, oh, how, how's things going? What are you up to? Tell me about life. And you're always saying, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm off to Tenerife next week. I've got university. And you always talk about all the, the positive things in life and you sort of just get on with it. And I'm always just inspired about how you separate your physical health from your emotional mental health. So how do you do that? Tell us more about how you manage to do that. I just kind of just get on with it, really. And I'm just keep busy, really, with yeah. college. I obviously have just finished college and that. Um, so I go out with my mate when I'm free. I don't really think about it, the condition much. Yeah. Well, I try not to think about it much because like, I don't want that to stop me from what I want to do. So you kind of have to um, stick to a routine, but not do too much, I suppose. But yeah, you yeah, like, still, yeah, follow what you want to do, haven't you? I still fit things in, like go to the gym, or go out to the cinema, go out clubbing most weekends. So I fit everything in, like work got all my like studies finished like from college got my grades well should be getting my grades in August Mm. and next week sometime yeah keeping on top of things really just keep busy you don't let it take your life do you You no kind of carry on to a certain extent obviously you're going to have these flare-ups you're going to have bad days bad weeks but you sort of deal with those in isolation to everything else that is going on in life which is, I think, is really good. And we've both seen that that programme with Amy from Strictly Come Dancing, and she's always had that dream to be a professional dancer. I think she does the same sort of thing. She just powers through, aims for what she wants to do, and then, obviously, she's going to have days where she can't do as much. But I think that was a really good programme, showing everyone about how people living with Crohn's deal with it day to day. What did you think about that programme? I mean, it was good to know that someone else was going through something similar to me mm. and seeing like what symptoms she had and that. Mostly she's had it symptoms-wise. She's got it more extreme to my health. Okay. Like, it doesn't seem like I've got my symptoms. It doesn't seem my symptoms are bad compared to hers. Right. But, yeah, it was interesting to know um, what she had to go through and that. Definitely. And then you said, oh, look, friends and family, watch this programme, because then it kind of gives everyone else a bit of that knowledge. And you don't have to delve into everything that you're going through because you might not want to. You're only 18 years old. But at the same time, it's good to let everyone know that they can understand what you're going through as well to a certain extent. I know you said that it's not as bad as Amy's, but it's that sort of obviously disease that you've got. So it's good that we've got a bit more knowledge now because we've all seen it. Well, no, just um, with Amy as well, obviously, she's got the same disease as Sophie, but her symptoms, as Sophie rightfully said, seem more severe. But test-wise, Sophie's tests are always extremely high, so she's got it extremely severe. Mm -hmm. And what Sophie's got, there's only a certain amount of people in the world who have actually got a very, very small small number that the disease that Sophie's actually got yeah, is very, see, very, there's only about five people that's something like yeah. that very very small so even though she's got 
you know, Crohn's disease like Amy, mm. it's different. And, yeah. and the thing is, the hospital are sometimes a bit baffled with Sophie's condition yeah. because the tests are coming back quite severe. They can't understand that why she's not getting the symptoms like Amy would have. She should be obviously in chronic pain and bits and pieces like that. For some unknown reason, she's not getting it to that extent. Quite extreme at the moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it could be a number of different things, couldn't it? And I suppose it could. a lot of, like any disease, it all kind of manifests itself in different ways. So. Mm. We're just sort of seeing Sophie's manifestation of it and then other people are different. Like everyone copes with different diseases and illnesses differently as well, don't they? And even COVID-19, everyone had a completely different story to share, didn't they, with COVID? You just thought, oh, it's the flu or it's some people just got a cold, some people were in hospital. That's it. I mean, going back to Sophie's ambition, Amy obviously had, she showed us her ambition to be a professional dancer and strictly come dancing Sophie's got an ambition. Um, tell us about your career, hopes and dreams, Sophie. Does it, having Crohn's, does it have an effect on how far you want to take your career or does it push you forward? Does it hold you back? What What are your feelings about your future career? It depends on what I'm doing. Like, I did want to um, do something in the food industry at first, but obviously with the diets and, like, the food itself like yeah. that could have an effect on my illness so obviously I've had a few thoughts I did travel tours in college so I've left that as like plan b so I could always go back to that if my career of in the police so I want to become like a CID mm-hmm. if that it gets too much for me or if it's not working out then I can always go back to travel and tourism so in September time I'm studying professional policing in Manchester in university um for three years I think Mm. so I'll see how it goes it's just for me like I generally thought it's like an interesting course to do especially like dealing with the cases every case is different in that job and it's not just like it's not just like one thing you do in that job it's like loads of different things so definitely it's going to be so varied, isn't it? You, you've got yeah. to do that career and hopefully mm. you can start off doing a certain level of the police and then you can, yeah, move around to different departments. And, yeah, it's really exciting. Like you say, you've got the travel and tourism as a backup plan and you love doing a bit of travelling. You've got your holiday coming up next week. Where are we going again, so? Tenerife. <laughs> what are you doing there again? So it's a work experience, isn't it? Yeah, it's like voluntary work, so helping out with animals and just experiencing, like, the culture there. Like, the locals, meet the locals, I think I am, and just getting the experience, really. Yeah, working abroad and, yeah, yeah. traveling your CV. And that will all help if you want you to go back to the travel and tourism as well, won't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you would have that on your CV. Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. So, obviously, you're going to be going on this work experience trip with a couple of friends you met from college and you're still in touch with some school friends and yeah a lot of those people seem to be really really supportive I've met a lot of your friends and they're all really really lovely and obviously got a nice supportive family as well that help you um with what you're going through but what about when you meet new people because obviously you've started a new job recently when you were at college and 
you did also move up to Liverpool from Brighton a few years ago so that was a change then you're going to go to university and meet new people so what's it like when you meet new people how do they understand Crohn's disease do you have to tell them much about it do you have to kind of brief them first or do you just kind of play it by ear I just play it by the ear like I don't tell everyone my condition really because it's not like it's not really them for them to know really yeah so I only tell people that I'm close to or yeah. I'm spending most of my time with really just don't tell other people that like to keep it quite yeah, private, don't yeah. Really it's not something for me to like open up about like it's just it is what it is like I just don't say yeah. much about it don't just go on along with life no definitely I suppose when you get further down the career path is it something you have to tell employers so like almost like say oh I might need to have a couple of hospital days off or I might get a bad flare-up day or you might need a day off sick is that something you have to tell employers what what's the sort of situation with that um with me being in and out of hospital constantly then yeah I would yeah because otherwise you'd be like well why you keep having days off why mm-hmm. you're off again and all that so for them to understand I need to explain the condition um I mean it's some, awareness for them though as well yes yeah, awareness it? for them but some yeah. people take it like a good way some people don't like in some places I've worked in they've taken it quite good you know they understood how like what I was going through some places were like didn't really bother what I had to go through and just kept giving me like there was times where I was given so many shifts where I was tired constantly and he still wanted like 10 out of 10 like effort on me and I was like I can't give you 10 out of 10 effort when I was being working on eight day trot of working no I mean no one and so you get tired don't you after yeah, that exactly so obviously one of my managers didn't take it in a good way for that basically but then you have had people who have been quite supportive as well yeah and uh, obviously when you haven't been feeling you know great they've been quite uh they've given you a lot of understanding being co- quite compassionate yeah. towards yeah. your illness and bits and pieces like that yeah. so yeah I mean yeah, that's what you need but I suppose if there's not a lot of awareness yeah awareness out there then people might not understand as much so what do you wish people knew about Crohn's? For people that don't know much about it, what do you wish they did know about it? I mean, it's not easy. Like, today, like every day, you've got to, like, have your struggles. Mm-hmm. Some point in the day, like, you might feel really tired all of a sudden. Like, I get that, like, half through the day. Like, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm so tired. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, that's just how my body works. But then later on in the evening, I've got so much energy that I just don't want to go to bed. So it's like for someone that doesn't know much about Crohn's, then it's just like, it's, I don't know, like... Yeah, knowing that it's a bit... Everyone's different. It's hidden, I suppose, as well, isn't it? Because you're going through it, but other people don't see what you're going through. And um, just having that awareness and understanding of people that have it. Yeah. So speaking of the awareness and understanding, is there any sort of charities that you would recommend if people say, oh, I want to donate to a charity or, or would like to fundraise towards the medical research on IBD? Is there somewhere they could go? I think there was one charity I found and it, it was 
Crohn's and Colitis, I think it was called. Foundation. Foundation. Right, okay. Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. So people can just Google that and um, they can find yeah. out yeah, how to raise some money towards the research because obviously they're always looking for a cure, they're always looking for new medications. So if anyone's stuck for a charity to raise money for, that's who won and anyone's listening. And what about if people feel they do need support with Crohn's or they feel like they've got some symptoms and they want to find out more information is there a website that they can go on to give them more information I think my advice would be to seek medical advice really Mm -hmm. like catch it quite early if they can and sort the condition out as soon as possible because for someone that's like maybe older than me could have it quite bad severe because I've been left for such a long time but my advice is just to go and seek medical advice really. That's such good advice Sophie really really good and I suppose there is that website as well the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation or that they can go on and find out more information if they do have it and they need some support but great advice so thank you so much Sophie and Michelle. Sophie you're only 18 years old So to come on to a podcast for the first ever time and speak so openly and eloquently is truly inspiring. And I'm sure if there's anyone out there listening that thinks they might have Crohn's, I'm sure that you've definitely helped them and pointed them in the right direction. Or if someone's already been diagnosed with Crohn's, I'm sure that having someone talk about it has really helped as well. Thank you, guys. Well, thank thank you. you. Thank you for having us. It's been a complete pleasure. Good. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Sophie, I can't wait to hear all about university as well. And I'm definitely, definitely going to come and visit, whether you like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. Have a great day and speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't already, please follow Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories on the podcast platform of your choice. And don't forget to share on the socials if you enjoyed it. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.